The Hard Shoulder with Nissan. Number one for petrol in Ireland. Number one for electric. Nissan. Innovation that excites. This is News Talk. Welcome back to The Hard Shoulder. Well, regular listeners will know that at this time every Friday we conclude... Uh, our last programme of the week with a look back at the stories that got us talking that we just had to drag our way back into and we call it the final furlong. And my guests, it's a pleasure to welcome uh, all of them back today. Alison Common, journalist and communications consultant. Bill Hughes, Mind the Gap Productions, minding his millions as well. And the ever correct Richie Oakley, <laughs> editor of the Ireland edition of The Times, who still refuses to wear a cycling helmet Unless, unless it suits him. Um, now, Richie, first of all, you had a, a memorable fe- first last night on telly. We had the lead of the Times Ireland edition, and you had this scoop of this five-page letter, which we've been discussing on the program today between Theresa May and Arlene Foster. Well done. Yeah, it it it, it helps when you have news in the old newspaper. <laughs> so the question is, who is your source? Because, like, people have said it was a London source, it was a, a deep throat within Downing Street and so on. Oh, like, I, can, I obviously can't reveal our, our, right, our, right. our source, but uh, it, it, it helps us. We've, we've, like, staff in Dublin, staff in London, so when it comes to Brexit, we can keep an eye on it, uh, you know, quite well. We've, we also have people in Brussels. Um, so, yeah, it, it works out well when we get scoops through the, through the London office or, or through, through the Irish office, but, but we're going back and forward all the time. So it's funny, sometimes you get, like, you get what the the British side might be trying to spin or what the DV yeah. and then you put it to the Irish side and then you get what the Irish side are trying sure. to spin and you're going around in, in circles which we have been but it does seem as if there is starting to be a little bit of the fog is lifting up. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, Alison, the last time you were on uh, this show you said you were thinking of doing a skydive which sounds <laughs> horrendously dangerous. Uh, you've, you've had fast forwarded on it, have you? Well, because I was on with Kieran, I think you were off gallivanting uh, at some stage uh, over the, the last couple as of weeks did, yeah. as you do, as you tend to do. Uh, so I had, we were talking about bucket lists and I did say that I would do a skydive. I wanted to do a skydive. So a woman of my word I've uh, signed up to do one next year for charity and it's going to be in aid of uh, prevention of youth suicide in Ireland so I'm going to put details on Twitter and and, and how high would you jump from I, do you know, I haven't even got into the nitty gritty of it yet, but it's, it's and, certainly and out of a plane. So I t- think we're, we're safe in saying that it's quite high. And is it one of these kind of cod ones where you just have your arms around someone else who's actually <laughs> making the jump? Oh, or, yeah. Or, or okay. Are you entirely well, on your so own? So really? So have you done one on your own? You'd have no problem jumping out. Of course, I'm going to be strapped to whom I'm hoping is a fine oh. Fine hunk Hold of a on. man. So, Ola, there's uh, such, such a fair. Okay, that actually is quite adrenaline pumping. Uh, anything interesting with you, Bill? Well, I do actually, and I, I didn't tell you, but I will tell you Dude. that this day, two weeks, in a Thai County Kildare, um, I'll be getting a plaque because they've decided to trace people from a Thai who have done something in the world of yeah. music. So they kicked off with uh, Johnny Marr from... The Smiths, and then tomorrow they're doing Manny from the Stone Roses and Primal Scream, and in two weeks they're doing the guy from MTUSA and Boyzone and the Irish Tenors, and that's me. And so they're unveiling a plaque uh, where I was born. 
right. uh, as a musical trail. But they're doing and the grand. I'm gran- sure the repertoire of uh, Thai people that have made it nationally is so long. It is a really, really. They're going to do 23 of them. They're doing 23 of them. I'm going. That's that's I'm you, is, there, is there a trail a bus tourism. tour? Must be a grandparent rule or something. Yeah, there. there is a grandparent rule. Of course, there is. If it's good enough in bloodstock and soccer, it's good enough in music. All right, let's let's get on to our first topic. It certainly has got people annoyed. I've seen various cartoons about it this morning and so on. Tishu Lear Vragkar uh, got a lot of stick during the week in the doll saying that hospital workers, frontline operators, consultants, nurses, backup staff would have to work at full whack over the Christmas period to resolve the trolley crisis. It, needless to say, went down like a lead balloon with those people given politicians holidays and so on. But, but... Does he have a point, Bill? I don't know why it would need to be said, because I would think that medical staff are already pushed to the pin of their collar. And I can't imagine anybody in the medical profession leisurely taking time off over Christmas. Oh, give me a break. They go skiing, they go to Florida for the first two weeks in January, the top paid consultants, don't they? Consultants? Yeah. But what about the nursing staff and the doctors who are at the coalface in A&E? What about the regular people? Who sure, have they, to are work? they out sick? I don't know. You How tell can me they be out sick? Well, I because won't go the, into their absenteeism record. No, but but the, bo- the, bo- the point I'm making is this, that in other health systems, they actually, because we, we had Kieran Cuddy delve into this, and basically what it works out is, it's like a weekend roster, a Saturday, mm. Sunday, so no outpatients. Yes, all the emergency service, but a lot of elective stuff doesn't happen, and so on. There are hospitals in the world in the private sector that run on a seven-day-week basis. In other words, the entire roster for the 52 weeks. Mm. So we've all these assets of x-ray machines, of beds, and all these facilities, and the maximum utilisation is what's right. Do we need some fresh thinking? Yes. Because the country is uh, suffering terribly in terms of... I, I know... Because when I was ill a number of years ago, uh, I was very lucky to have VHI and I had top cover. If I had not had top cover, I would not be walking today. And that was because the surgery that was being scheduled for me under the normal circumstance would have been six months hence. And instead, I got it after six weeks and they were able to save the nerve and save my back. So I would be screwed if it wasn't for private health. And that's a terrible indictment of the health system in this country, that there is a law for one and a sure. no law for the other. It's others. a checkbook health system. Yeah, yeah, so then, you know, you look at Christmas and he, I felt in all the time that I was in the hospital that the the entire staff were working flat out. And I can't imagine that that foot comes off the pedal at Christmas. I just okay. can't. I, I don't think he, 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 yes, was, he, he wasn't quite talking about nurses and and in, in particular, I, I know like nurses were very upset by his comments, but I don't, like every single nurse, uh, we, we all know the ones that, that will tell you they, they probably can list the amount of Christmas days they missed because they were, they were working. My sister's a nurse. I know she's worked Christmas days before. I think he was talking about the overall hospital in terms of 
you know, if a patient needs a test, that the test would be able to done. If they need a scan, that the scan would be able to be done. And I, I you know, I think he he might have had a point there. You know, he's had experience of this. He's he he was minister for health. He must have come up against this b- before. And I, I think he needs to be heard out on it at, at least. Um, you know, health system is getting record funding this year. The Department of Finance reports have shown that they're they're not able to to come in within budget. That they're not able to spend it efficiently. And and like that's where the the, the discussion needs to be had. Uh, you know, obviously there's issues of retaining staff and all this, but it's it's where are we getting this bang for the buck? And can you thin out the HSE in order to get value for money? Taxpayers deserve value for money for pumping. Uh, hundreds of millions into the health system over and over each year and they're going over budget like who's going to get held accountable for that and I think that's where the focus should be and in that when you look at it that way his comments are a bit easy but you know you've got the hospital saying what's the government's plan uh, for, for this I mean the HSE and the hospitals, you get together and you come up with the, the, the plan and don't be waiting on the government to do it. All right, Alison Common, people said that this was a cheap shot, it was a distraction from other more detailed reforms and needless to say, everyone was offended. We're like That's what we do here in the Hard Shoulder, we offend people <laughs> all the time. Uh, well, what was your take on Leo? Well, look, I think I slightly agree with Bill in a way that it didn't need to be said. I don't think any nurses, doctors, etc. They expect to have Christmas Day off no more than emergency services do. The guards, journalists, you know, if a news story breaks, you're in. And that's the case of it. Yeah, there are certain sectors that we can do without. We can do without our off licences and our supermarkets, as we've always said over the past few years. But yeah, it did not need to be said. And I think all it did was annoy people. Uh, I don't know about anybody else around the table here. I've worked several Christmas days. Uh, it's, it's just par for the course. It's and another see, there day. Are, there are sectors. Retail, you know, right up to Christmas Eve, the sales start almost on St. Stephen's Day, security industry and so on, and frontline uh, public sector workers. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas all the professions, you could say, all the politicians, all the teachers get an extended break, and myself included over it. So, I mean, which category should the health sector be in? In other words, yes, emergency departments are 24-7, but are there other elements of the health service should be maybe less? Because, you know, wintertime is a time of sickness and you definitely have pent up demand. People who should have been in hospital all go in. How many years are we going to have to have severe trolley crises in January when we know that flu epidemics and trolleys etc are at record numbers possibly because that there's been a skeleton staff put on over the Christmas period be that emergency services be that in uh, consultancy uh, x-ray whatever departments so unfortunately it does need to run and operate as as normal throughout that period and being on a trolley is a really nasty thing. I mean, I was on one for eight hours and that's, that's only eight hours. I hear of people being on it for eight days. But in the eight hours, I found that really, What's really difficult. What's the difference difficult. between a trolley and a bed that moves around? It's the same thing. That's a, it's, it's like a trolley, but it's in the co- corridor. But it's extremely yeah. public. I was out in the corridor. So, yeah. so the, it was you're, the you're location of, of it. It was out yeah, in yeah. the corridor. But the bed itself was comfortable. It was the location of it and the lack of privacy and yeah. all that. Yeah, okay. I remember my 80-year-old father being moved off of a trolley. He'd been there for 27 hours and he was put on a chair because somebody else needed his trolley. Mm. That's an indictment right. of this health service. Okay, let's move on to this. All right, uh, black or white. In the UK, more than 7,000 people and householders still watch 
TV and black and white more than half a century later after colour broadcasts began. London has the most TV licences for black and white sets, 1,768. Uh, Mess Midlands, Birmingham, well, you'd expect them to have about 400, as does Manchester. A total of 7,000 failed uh, to start watching colour despite transmissions in 1967. To me, this screams... Scam. In other words, they're <laughs> yeah. paying a license for black and oh, white so. uh, oh, yeah. rather than actually have a black and white set. And anyone who'd believe <laughs> that is just bizarre. I could be completely wrong because I have uh, anathema against. I, I will not watch if John, you know, uh, Keller recommends a black and white movie or a sci-fi movie. I will not watch it. You know what I mean? <laughs> I mean it's anima- not a lifestyle choice. Animation. Then, You're choosing to watch black and no, white. I, I just please. I mean, I will go to your prehistoric views in a second, Richie. <laughs> I, um, yeah, I mean, okay. If the figure I- I- is true, and there are people, like the last time I had a black and white TV was 1994 when I was in my first year in in UCD, and I, I must have nicked one from from the house that was doing nothing, and I watched was able to watch two, two or three channels on it in in, in the studio. The rabbit's ears. Like they're certainly not. We can take for certain they're certainly not sports fans, and if they are sports fans, they certainly don't like snooker. Um, you know. <laughs> <laughs> you know, slightly yeah. darker you know the great, ball uh, the, great the, the great Ted Lowe quote of he, he's going for the pink and if you're watching in black and white it's the one next to the brown <laughs> uh, you know so I, 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 I don't know maybe they are scammers I mean I think the, the, the number of people uh, I know who actually have no TV uh, at this stage uh, it's quite interesting I have no TV and I had an inspector call to the door uh, to tell me I had no licence and I swung open the door and I said well, you're welcome to come in because I actually have no TV <laughs> and uh, I was delighted with that so off he went and he hasn't come back and he uh, believed you he did yeah so that's why the, obviously they have to move to this household charge where you're going to just get and so you watch you things have, on your laptop is it yeah I watch everything through, through, through the laptop yeah And uh, but surely the laptop screen is quite small do you have a, another screen to to beam stuff on. No, no, because that, that that then you'd be paying your, your TV I just don't just don't have one. I moved into the house recently, just didn't bother getting one and all of a sudden a few months went past and just yeah. don't bother with it, you know. What a lot of people do is, you know, when they hear the knock at the door and it's not someone they're expecting, they just turn out the lights and the inspector eventually goes away. Well yeah, they they're not allowed actually in the door, I don't think, unless you allow them in. That's right. So you can just like right. vampires. So if, yeah. if 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 you're if you're if you're of a strong mind, you can just stand there refusing to so, let them in. So or what do you make of this story, Alison? I mean, are you like me and think that this is just a tax evasion of, of a form? Or do you think actually people like to watch black and white? Uh, they couldn't possibly. I think this uh when I delved into to it a little bit further yeah. when I saw it. There is a, a breakdown of why people like watching black and white TVs and every single one of them admitted that they do have another uh, so some form of watching it on laptop right. or something that this is a kind of a retro throwback I mean Bunch I remember hipsters, it yeah. seriously is we're talking way back I remember we we got our colour TV we were swanky we got a Telefunken colour TV in 1976 and uh, the last thing I remember watching on a black and white TV was Princess Di's wedding where we were in Main Street Killarney in a, a camper van all glued around watching this uh, so uh, this is this is back in the dark age to think anybody would choose but, but to watch fairness, a black and fairness, white TV Back in the day when the Late Late Show was in black and white there was no sex in Ireland I mean at least we had standards <laughs> in So what days. year did we get colour sex? <laughs> <laughs> well, so, well, somebody okay. said there was no sex in Ireland yeah. before the late That's late right. show and the, uh, no sorry, before on. television yeah, yeah. And there was no gay sex in Ireland before the late late, late, late show oh, right. okay. so well I, I knew they were <laughs> filthy in the extreme be black or white or colour bill 
<laughs> well, I just think, you know, when you remember The Wizard of Oz started in black and white and then she got sucked up into the vortex of a tornado and the next thing she was in colour. And that's where I think these people should go up in the vortex of a tornado because that's nonsense to me. It's, uh, I, I, thought I, you, I thought you were going to say I that do you love like old black and white films. I love old black and white films. Why? How can... It's just like saying, do you like art or do you not like art? Art, Casablanca, one of the greatest films. The works of the Marx Brothers, black and white, black and white. What else? It happened one night, Clark Gable, Claudette Colbert. How can you not watch those films and not... Do you not find it irritating? Stunned? That Why you irritating? don't have the texture of the colour to bring it to life, that no, it looks so dated. because you've got... It doesn't look dated. You've got the incredible engagement and smartness of the script. You've got Anita Luz writing The Women. You've got... Uh, you've got got Betty Davis in, in, in Jezebel and now Voyager and All About Eve. All About Eve, one of the greatest films ever made and it's in black and white. I agree with you, so Bill, because yeah. my, my one of my favourite Christmas movies, It's a Wonderful Life, Frank Capra's wonderful white, yeah. movie. It's black and white, but I got a colour version, beautifully coloured one year. And it's awful yeah. because you, you know and love that film in black and black white. Black and white is romance. <laughs> I not and as you know, <laughs> no. regularly, romance does not feature in your life. Well, no, right. hold, hold on a second. Hold on a second. I mean, like, I, I just think this is nostalgic bullshit you're talking <laughs> Nostalgia is a very good thing. It's a warm blanket to be embraced It's by. not like it used to be and nostalgia. If you than want a barbed wire anyway. bracelet, then you're welcome to that. But I like a nice blanket. Right. Well, at that point, uh, we're going to take a short break to gather our thoughts. Stay with us. We'll be returning with more analysis. Well, hardly uh, of the news of the past last week. We'll be back in a moment. Welcome back to my final session on the final furlong. We are listening to the wisdom and lots else uh, from uh, Richie Oakley, editor of the Ireland edition of The Times, Bill Hughes of Mind the Gap Productions and The Cutting Edge on Wednesday nights and Alison Common, journalist and communications consultant who's about to do a skydive next year. Uh, so she may not be on the programme again. Uh, <laughs> no, I'll enjoy oh, it while it lasts. <laughs> OK, well, there was a major report out into the food service industry. And for you and me, that means food on the go, eating out and so on by board beer. And it highlights changing trends, such as the traditional three meals a day, is no longer the norm. People are grazing. Consumers are looking for more experiences when eating out. They even like Thai and veggie, vegan. Oh, don't get me started. Third-party delivery is possibly the biggest disruption. And 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 we have cashless and click and go and all that. Bill, uh, what bit of this resonated with you? Is it is it that we're, we're all going to coffee shops or is it that we don't have three square meals? Well... I'll tell you, one of my favourite programmes on the telly is called The Big Bang Theory. I don't know if you ever watch it, but it's just great fun. It's Nerdvana, as far as I'm concerned. Anyway, all the characters... For those like me who haven't... I've heard of it, but what's it about It's again? a bunch of physicists who lived, who are all close friends, and one of them has just married the waitress from the Cheesecake Factory. And the whole thing is, she's every woman and they're nerds. Okay. And it's like, we're seeing the world, we're seeing them Set in America her, or Set in America. Okay. Set in California, oh, right, and it's right. it's great fun. Here, yeah. It's going it's into its last season. It's eleventh okay. season. Okay, but um, they eat dinner out of cartons. In every episode, 
there's an ep- there's some set scene where they sit and they eat. They sit on armchairs and they eat their dinner out of cartons. Which they, they have don't not cooked sit, themselves. Which they've not, it's okay. all been delivered. It's all and delivered. Monday night is Thai night yeah. and Tuesday night is pizza okay. night and Wednesday night is... And sorry, do you have a problem that, with this? That is society today and it's shocking to me because well, there's maybe nothing Maybe if your PhD student now who's never gotten out of their... their so yeah. teens and 20s I don't think it represents normal society No but there's a lot of I, I know from talking to mm. people I work with and people that I come across But that's because they're time poor They don't have time to cook No they don't enjoy cooking They've, They don't and enjoy Cleaning up is even worse Yeah but they don't enjoy the, the, the camaraderie the, the collective experience of oh, being in the right. kitchen and stirring the pots Look, and chopping having the a meal is not a religious a experience for it God's is, sake it's it a functional is. of fuel it is and it's sensual as well and it's essential to our health Look, and what well-being. you do in your own privacy is your business <laughs> I, didn't say, I didn't say where I put Bill, the egg Bill pouring Bill, chocolate on each other Bill and licking it off the visions of it are he once told me that every, every night he goes home there's a, there's a drink waiting for him there is, uh, there is a cocktail the cocktail yeah. waiting the for him the fondue set and the whole oh no we don't do fondue that's just Fru Fru, not not. Well, you can tell he <laughs> hasn't got the twenty six nieces and nephews round at the same time. No, 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 you? no, no, definitely not. But I think there's something to be said for the collective experience of cooking together, talking together, shopping for the, the stuff together, deciding what you're going okay. to eat together, yeah. rather than just pressing a button, not okay. even speaking. Does to the person this not the go end. to show, Alison, that Bill is totally out of touch with where people are at? Uh, completely, because yes, they say that the three square meals is gone. The three square meals is completely. It, it, it's impossible. The, it's very, very hard to do anyway with children's schedules. I mean, you know, mine have to go to clarinet, mandarin, and sushi making. Oh. Uh, no, <laughs> it's the likes of not being able to to schedule that breakfast, that lunch, that dinner together. That said, I do still think that a social meal together is extremely important. Sunday lunch. Either Sunday lunch. I mean, every weekend we either go Sunday lunch or an evening meal, uh, Saturday In or, or Sunday. Out. out. Okay. Out. Because we have cooked at home all week it mightn't be sitting down together at a scheduled time but at some stage we do try and eat a home cooked meal together where it well, does we're, we're where it does annoy me then, yeah, but where it does annoy me is all this it's it is it's the the not the proper food the mac delivery started in ireland yesterday that you can get a you know mcdonald's delivered to your home now for breakfast. Sorry. I mean, seriously, yeah, sorry, sorry. lads, how a, desperate no, are you to have seriously, a Seriously, Alison, you're making it sound grotty, like a criminal offence. Live a, and let live. Well, fine, you not see but the movie I do not want me. a McMuffin delivered to my home Enjoy cold it, at listeners. 8 o'clock in the morning. You may, like these people who make everyone feel bad about what they're trying to do. I mean, I just we, we're just gone. This is this is a neo nanny stage. If you're going to have a Big Mac, at least get up off your arse and go and buy it. That's a, that's what I say. And a it nice might and it fish. might be super sized. And they like those, you know, the narrow little chips they do. They're so tasty. Oh, I mean, like, like no, but the the, the point. I, I think he's angling for for one to be delivered right no, this no, minute. No, no, yeah? no, no, no. But the, the the point the point I'm making is that surely these trends are absolutely reasonable and perfectly possible because people are time poor. They're trying to pay mortgages. They're trying to juggle three jobs, two nixers, kids, relationships and whatever else. 
and most of the time the parents are making sure that the, the kids are getting the, the, you know, the kids will get a big a decent breakfast before they go to school they'll have a, a healthy packed lunch now because if you, if you send anything else into a school that, that's not healthy you're going to be in trouble and then the parents are get, getting them the dinner but in, a lot of the pe- people work so hard now that they try and have maybe some, something kind of substantial at lunchtime and then something substantial but maybe not quite a full a full dinner as they'd say in the evenings but like I'm from Limerick I go at the basis of when I have it I'll eat, I'll eat it because I never know where the next would you one not, is Would you not from? all have your main meal? Is that not the big change over our lifetime? The main meal has moved from lunchtime to the evening time. Is that that, and is that my was lifetime. a long time ago? No, yeah, okay. You always had your tea. Right, yeah, yeah. Your <laughs> tea is your main meal, though. That's yeah. it, yeah. yeah. Your tea yeah. Oh, no, yeah. I, I, would be a, I, I would try and get the dinner in the middle of the day uh, if I could uh, get it. Uh, anyone take a view on saturation with coffee shops, Starbucks? And it's just too many of them. Are there? And for a while there, there were too many bloody donut shops as well. You couldn't turn around, but you'd have a sugar rush. Yeah. It's like too much, too much. And, and, and now there, I see that some of the less successful ones are no longer with us. So at least they're disappearing. And I'm glad to see they're the, the big chains as well. Yeah. They seem to be dropping off. They'll pull out of the market. The coffee and, and shops. The, yeah, and the independents do they were, seem they, to they, be they, left they Starbucks and those were, were going gangbusters well, and all the different ones, I no? think they're the easiest ones to pull out. No, no, well, <laughs> well yeah, yeah, global brands. Yeah. yeah, okay. Right, now to this. All right. Well, it seems more middle-aged Irish women are exchanging vows with a much older husband, New Figures Show. Now, there's quite a lot of statistics here, and I haven't quite got my head around it, so I'm going to just read this out to you. There's been a dramatic drop-off in the number of young Irish women marrying older men in the past two decades, but an increasing number of middle-aged, almost our ones, but not quite, walking up the aisle with older husbands. For example, women between 35 and 39 seem to be marrying men a decade older or more. Um, The uh, in between... Uh, 2001 and last year, the numbers have increased of unions between women in their 40s and men a decade older. It's doubled. Okay, this is all from the CSO. Explain this to me, Alison. <laughs> well, first of all, I want to know, do I come within the threshold of an owl one? When do I suddenly, well, no, when, when I stop doing <laughs> skydiving, is it? Look, this is, 36 the, onwards this is the rise of the silver fox. And sadly, that might be the only thing oof, that's rising. Oof. Because <laughs> uh, I, I think it's, it's slightly fair, unfair to be saying this now that uh, uh, that it's... The men are, are getting the, the walk down the aisle and the women aren't. Because, you know, we might actually heart back to something that Bill was talking about earlier on, which is the sad vision of all these uh, 20-something into 30s PhD students sitting around eating Chinese in the evenings. If I am marrying again, I don't want to marry that. So maybe women who are looking for something a slightly more mature, more discerning, a little bit more cultured, are being forced to look to the silver fox. Well, I have a theory on this as, not for would. the first time and that is that size matters the size of your wallet and the likelihood is a guy in his late 40s or 50s is probably further along the career ladder further up the promotion scale and probably has more money and that's what they're as attracted is, as to as is a woman at uh, that age so why aren't men rushing to marry women that age then 
Right. Well, I thought that would be pretty self-evident, but anyway, no, it's not. It's not. You're going to have to it's called explain. Gravity. Uh, called oh, gravity. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, well, yeah. yeah. As, as I said in my opening statement, men have that issue too. You get away with this. Don't let him away with the glistening tweet. Do not let him away with it. Hold on a second. I mean, the the fact of the matter is that 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 women could be looking for a sugar daddy here. That's what we're talking about. Is that, is, is that necessary? Am I completely wrong? I, I don't know. Yes. I, I think this, this, we need to see the, like obviously we need to see the, the separation figures and compare the two. I don't think women, the women, most women in their 30s, uh, if, if they're in the dating market would be financially independent and have their own careers, I'd imagine. Uh, this piece is funny you know, in the I way think it, they'd be needy it's, it's, it's all right. written from the point of view of the women. The men, the men are just innocent bystanders. It's the women seem to be choosing the men and the men are just going along and getting married. Like I, they also I presume men in their 40s or in their 50s would have grown up kids so if they are separated and they're back in the dating market it's a lot less complicated than men in their 30s or early 40s who might have young kids if they're separated and and that kind of thing it can be a lot more complicated because the kids that are older don't let the woman pass the audition but the sorry, no, sorry. To, to I, you're going to have to say that again slowly. Yeah, explain the, that one the, the, Yeah, so sure, the, the kids reject the prospective younger bride. If, if the grown-up kids, you know, they, they don't want the... Like, you look at yeah. the famous case of Stella McCartney and her relationship with Heather yeah. Yeah, and Paul McCartney. And Heather didn't last long. Now, she didn't last long but because... But do the kids' views she, matter? They did matter because the father became ostracised. I know it's Paul McCartney, but I'm yeah. just looking at that as an instance, you know. But look at uh, uh, George Clooney has waited so long to marry Amal and he only now has the twins. Yeah, but he's he was married be, before. So yeah, that's yeah, not his first go-round. No, and I think we're talking be, about second and third go-round No, but he's here. going to be in his 70s. He's going to kind of the French time. ideal there, half your age plus eight, isn't he? Yeah. 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 And yeah. I have that, a question that, for Ivan as well. Yeah. Ivan, what is wrong with a woman? dating or marrying a man with money. Absolutely. Sorry, I, this is what I'm actually advocating. It's all based on economics. I Absolutely. wouldn't be based on it, but I no, certainly, no, no, but sorry, I there's certainly something wouldn't you said. dismiss him because there, there, he's wealthy. Yeah, ab- ab- absolutely. Absolutely. In fact, it would be a big... Uh, what, you know, what, what was it they said about Paul Daniels and uh, Debbie McGee? What, what was it that attracted you to the millionaire? There was something that you said there that that women like a kind of older is it would it tr- be true to say that older men unlike say the cougar thing the, the older men are less trouble like they're more house trained they don't want to be going to the disco late at night and so on is there a feature there that they're more settled in their ways that's attractive to women well, I second think it possibly around. does work both ways I mean my guilty pleasure is watching first dates be it English, Irish yeah. it doesn't matter I love watching them. I like it too and you see that Do you like the old ones the young ones the gay ones what well, do you like? Well do you like? know what I love about is the older the more discerning perhaps the more mature couples is that they seem a hell of a lot more grateful <laughs> They do <laughs> They do well, and they are yeah Exactly. They're less choosy. They are less, less choosy. But, exactly. but I actually don't think they get. To but there's nothing third base. worse than a than a fella who think he you know he's punching God's way gift. above yeah, his yeah, weight. Yeah. He's he only fancies twenty year olds. They're disappointed when they they see him. Yeah. He's disappointed when eventually uh, things don't work out for many reasons. And I just think yeah, stick to your own age group I mean, and your own demographic, no, the thing and you I might find, find disappointing. happiness. I, I I am a romantic and I love first dates, but you know they do the thing at the very end. Yeah. So they do the little 
birds tweeting or breaking apart yeah. and that kind of yeah. thing. And you're kind of full of hope. Actually, they got on great. Yeah. And then it comes at yeah. the end and they put up the two photographs. Yeah, uh, they actually never met again. Never met. Like, yeah. yeah. Very few actually go. But what do you think of this guy in the Netherlands who has asked to have his age changed on his... Uh, Passport because he's sixty nine, but he says I'm a god. Yeah. I have, have the body of a man twenty years younger. Oh, it. it looks like he, he's a he, hard I have the body round. of a guy twenty years younger than me. And if they're allowed to change their gender on their uh, passport, why can't I change my age? And it's just the funniest thing that he's so completely deluded with his own narcissism that he thinks women will be fooled by that. I but prefer to be a young looking forty nine year old and an old looking thirty five year old. Yeah, but he may have a forty year old's body. But good God, what happened to the head? <laughs> Like, <laughs> and, and tell me this, you, you you that know and so on, is there a kind of national norm in terms of, we'll just say, the hooking up apps or whatever people meet in first dates that, that, that women do tend to look for an older man? Is that is that true as a trend? Leaving aside actually marriage or anything like that. I can't see it I as can a only trend. speak for it's myself. A, and I certainly, you know, I, if, if, you know, it's, it's not about age, it's about attraction. If you're jumping on the merry-go-round again, you're looking for something Are tall, you going to swipe you know, tall dark, going to swipe handsome right? and young. Right. Because, <laughs> no, because I'm looking at people that I know uh, who are in politics with me who who are in the media and so on, and they've had they broke up, and they've they're now on, sir. They're my age, and they've a the, six and seven apps, year old. Yeah. No, they're on the second time round, and they're in a happy relationship. Nearly always, they're blokes uh, uh, th- that the partner is a good bit younger. Well, if you had your your choice, and if there's a, an attraction there, why wouldn't you? Yeah. You're not certainly not going to settle if you don't have to. So if there's an attraction, if it's exactly what you're after, why not? I can't do, see I think though, like, say you're, you're a guy in his 40s and you you were going out with someone in, in their 20s, uh, like, uh, you, yeah. you would be a little bit I concerned. I think 11 years is the max gap for me anyway. You would be a little bit concerned. Uh, you would be a little concerned that as you get older, they might, you know, they might go, well, I'm 13 actually, years you know, older than my husband. So. Right. Yeah. Well, there is the other thing. Or that maybe as you that they want kids and as, you might want kids. Yes, that's, that is a uh-huh. big issue. Yeah. And the, the other issue is that, you know, as they as they they sort of move sixty plus, and the other one's still in their forties. Oh, we'll go to Las Vegas for the weekend, or oh, we'll do this and that thing. I say, oh, geez, I just wanted to lie on the sofa and watch Sky Sports. You know what I mean? Well, a guy in his forties going out with some a woman in in her twenties. He'll have done all the weddings and everything. He'll be out the far, far side of that, and he'll be starting to maybe go to funerals more. But then the twenty year old will be going to like done tons and tons of weddings, going out later gigs, concerts, and in your in your forties, like okay, you want to do a bit of that, but a lot of the time you might be going. I agree. I would not have anything match. in common with anybody so, in their twenties. Definitely. Yeah. So no, obviously well, that's that's yeah. the, the big, thing. Yeah. The big, yeah. The big trend on every report is though that people are settling down with their potential life partner much later. In other words, they've had all their flings, all their mistakes right through their 20s and they only, even when they're in a long-term relationship, they only consider settling down in their mid-30s. So in other words, like it's not like, you know, you got married in your early 20s and you're kind of always wondering. Do you understand me? <laughs> I do, I do. Now we don't have to wonder anymore. <laughs> so is it is it the same in your community? It is. Tell uh, us. Like, I met my husband when I was 41, and uh, he was 28. So at that stage... You're a cradle smash. 41, no. That's half your age. Excuse yeah. me, he was the one who asked me out, so mm. get that one straight. Oh, were you the sugar daddy start. then, according no, to Ivan? You no, showed him the balance sheet of mine in the gap, there's and nothing, that was enough. There's nothing, first. there's nothing sugary about me. <laughs> but, but I will tell you 
that I found a renewed youth in myself that I hadn't expected. So I discovered the night culture that I hadn't really lived up to To then. this date? No, or was that up just no, to a certain st- point? It stopped about six years ago. But for a period, I discovered, wow, but I hold really on like a second. going out. No, but there was a point at an age mm-hmm. whereby you discovered and were happy to do it. And then you kind of said, well, I kind of have enough of that. No, no. I was thrilled no, because no, he, no, stopped. No, he stopped. No, oh, <laughs> I see. I was just going to say, surely he'd be still <laughs> an eager beaver. No, no. What happened was then he you made the decision. Him. No, I didn't. He decided. He came. It came to a natural end. He said, right. nah, I can't be doing with that. And I was like, thank you. Okay. So we've eager beavers, silver foxes and cougars. Okay. It's like yeah. an episode well, of David Attenborough. What's, what's ahead is the nursing home Mind arrangements. Uh, <laughs> 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 All right. My thanks, uh, my sincere thanks to my fun uh, final furlong panel today, Alison Common. And we will hear about this skydive. Bill Hughes uh, and and Des Bishop is going to appear on, on Cutting Edge yeah, next we're week. We're delighted Des is coming I didn't to the think table. you could afford him. I, I didn't either. <laughs> <laughs> and Richie Oakley looking forward to lots more scoops uh, from uh, the London office, which he'll take credit for. That's my <laughs> lot on the hard shoulder. 